Hey there, everybody. It's uh, Paul Carruthers, and this is Off Track, Moto America's weekly podcast. Um, you just got introduced. We just got introduced by Jonathan Green, so you probably know all that. But uh, I want to bring my cohort, Sean Vice, into the conversation. Sean, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I am. I've been out out in our woods uh, building an ark here. Um, the Bible says that the ark was made out of gopher wood. I don't have any of that, but I'm trying to use whatever I can come up with because it is raining it like crazy, and it has been for so long. Luckily, I'm up on a hill, but it's it's been nuts. I can't get over how much rain we've had this spring. So a little different than our Utah weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely opposite. You know, when I was there. I remember hearing from other people, um, some people get, I guess it's called altitude sickness. You've probably heard of that. I actually feel better when I go there. It's almost like everything feels clearer and I don't know. I just, I just like to go there because it really does kind of help my state of mind as well as my state of well-being a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I, there's no humidity and you know, it's just nice for me. Yeah, it doesn't affect me if I if I if I when I've cycled there and stuff before, it's it's had a little bit of an effect. It just gets me worn out quicker. But like yeah. just just hanging at the track and stuff all day didn't seem to have an effect on me. But um, the racing the the racing sure was good there. Oh my gosh, that was so good. I mean, I could not believe it when we switched to that east course. I mean, it was certainly an unknown for all of us. But it seems like every rider I talked to said they really loved it. Had a lot of fun and. Just to have them right in front of us on that side of the track and the drama in each class. I mean, it was close racing. It was very exciting to see. So I, I was thrilled as can be for what we had. Yeah, from a selfish standpoint, I'd have to say that I liked it better than the big course. I liked the fact that, like you said, they, they raced directly in front of us. And, uh, you know, it was nice being able to watch turn one instead of them just taking off. And then obviously you can watch it on the monitors or whatever, but it's always nice to watch it, you know, more in person. But um, yeah, I liked the course. I thought it was, it looked like a lot of work from, from a rider standpoint. And like they said, there, there wasn't much rest there, you know, at least before on the big track, they'd have that long straightaway where they could, uh, shoot, you could almost take a nap on that thing. So, um, <laughs> I thought, it, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really good. I thought it was, it, it was kind of cool because it was, um, you know, it was kind of hard to pass, but they, 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 they all made it work. I mean, they all found their spots and, and it was kind of good because, uh, you know, they, they had to take a bit of risk, actually, when they made those passes. So it kind of made it more exciting when you knew one was coming. Yeah, it was funny when we talked to Tony, I think in one of the press conferences, he had said how narrow the track is and there's not a lot of passing. But, um, man, I mean, I didn't get a sense of that at all because they were definitely dicing in, in every single class, I, I felt like. So um, including Junior Cup, which was, you know, those were those were both exciting races, too. So that continues to be a really cool um, class for us to watch. Yeah, and it, that brings us to uh, to actually to our guest today, who, um, you know, actually, you know, if you look at the season from 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 the first round in Atlanta to to our to our fourth round there at um, or our fifth round there at Utah, I mean, it, it'd be hard not to argue that, that that this kid's actually been pretty much the sensation of the season so far, and uh, and I'm talking about Rocco Landers. Uh, we've had eight races, and he's won six of those. Uh, finished second in the other one, which was actually the last um, the last race we had, which was race two in uh, in at Utah Motorsports Campus, where he he finally got beaten by Dallas Daniels, who has given him fits. I mean, um, actually, I was on the, I was on the phone earlier today with Wayne Rainey, and I and I told him we were going to have Rocco on, and he said, you know, it's like 
really the way that that class has turned out this year is the perfect example of of what the class was designed for. You've got two young guys in that class and they've both elevated each other's um, riding and it's turned into a nice little rivalry and all the races have been close except, uh, you know, Rocco sort of had their, their number at, um, at Road Atlanta there when we got the season started. But ever since then, Dallas has kind of kicked it in gear and I think he's got a target and that target is Rocco. And as you've seen of late, those two have just uh, have battled back and forth and, Rocco's had the upper hand in six of those races, but uh, that 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 last one, um, you know, went to Dallas. And again, I, I I don't know what the margin was. It was something ridiculous, like point oh one oh or something. But um, Rocco's put together a good little season for himself, and he has a twenty point uh, twenty one point lead in the series. Uh, the only the only little hiccup he had in his season was a wet race at VIR, uh, where he finished eleventh. Um, so other than that, I mean, he's He's been pretty brilliant, and you know I didn't know a lot about this kid. Uh, I heard he was coming, and I heard good things about him. But you know, you tend to do that every year. You hear about some hot young kid that's going to come in and and do the business. Well, this kid definitely did come in and and do the business. So why don't we bring Rocco into the conversation? I I imagine it's afternoon there for you, Rocco. So so happy uh, happy afternoon to you. Yo, how are you guys doing? We're doing good. We heard you. You're you're actually doing the uh, you're doing this in in the front seat of your dad's truck because that's where the best reception were is. And you're not even old enough to drive that damn truck, are you? <laughs> no, I guess not. Uh, I mean, not if you told the cops. <laughs> do, you, do you ever try to drive it when nobody's looking, Rocco? No, I still gotta wait two years for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Actually, how does it work? You're from Oregon, so can you get a permit before you're 16? Well, you can get a permit when you're 15, but you have to be driving with an adult from your family. Right. But you get your license when you're 16, like the other states. Yeah. Are you gonna Are you gonna be the type of kid that's at your 16th birthday at the DMV getting that license, or does not you you don't care that much about it? Because I know some kids now are like, oh, we don't even care about getting our license anymore. I think that might might be me. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's not nice to have someone shuttle you around. Yep, I actually learned how to drive a car when I was eight years old because I live on a ranch, so I my, I was it was always free. Like I was able to do it like the field, so I learned how to drive really young. So it's so, not a big deal. So Rocco, I have to ask you, and I'm not going to say this is necessarily a problem that Paul has, but um, regarding your stature, you know, is it hard for you to drive a car? Because you're still fairly, well, you're diminutive. Let me put it that way. Is it hard for you to see over the wheel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm five foot five, so I mean, I'm a fairly normal sized person, I'd say, maybe. But yeah, you are. Smaller. Just do what I did. I used to have to have a pillow there for a while, but only for a that year was or two. what I did. Yeah, I used to stack up. What I'd do yeah. is I'd literally like stack up like uh, two by fours or boards, and then I'd put pillows on top of that, and then that's what I'd drive with. Yeah, wow. and meanwhile, we're, li we're you know Sean's piping off, piping in with how short we are. I don't, uh, Rocco. I don't. You, you've seen Sean. He doesn't look like he's that tall to me. That he could be mouthing off to us like this. Do you think? <laughs> Yeah, well, let's put it this way. I'm kind of square, Paul. I'm sort of as 
wide as I am tall, so. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, maybe that's what makes you look shorter. I'm cubic, yeah. So, but, but Rocco, speaking of driving or riding, so how old were you and what was the, what were, what did you, what did you ride for a motorcycle the very first time? My first ride is a hilarious story. I was, I think I was two and a half and I was on wow. a PW50 with training wheels. And so what I did was I did not know what I was doing. It was right after I learned how to ride my bicycle. I was still like a noob, I guess. And so I got on this thing and I just pinned it. <laughs> and so my mom literally grabbed my, I was probably maybe going 20 miles an hour. And I was about to hit a car because we were in a parking lot. And my mom got so scared and grabbed the back of my motor, motocross jersey and basically pulled me off the bike and the bike hit a tree. Oh, wow. Oh, no. I don't even remember it, but I was oh. told when I was like five, that was what happened. Well, thank God for mom. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you don't remember it. You were two and a half. I claim to remember some things when I was three, but. Yeah, I, I just feel like I, I, I might have been a little bit too young. I remember when I was first learning actually how to ride without training wheels. That's about the last time I remember riding a bike. First time, actually. Wow. And then how, how much after the, the whole learning experience of riding did, did you actually start racing the thing? I finally, I got the training wheels off just before I turned three. And I was just like putting around on the, in the parking lot. My first thing was, um, I think when I was like three and a half or four, I rode without my handle, without the, without my hands on the handlebars. So that made me happy. And then my first time on a street bike was a little pocket bike. I rode at Grange Motor Circuit when I was almost five and I got my knee down. That was made me so happy. Did you spend any time with with motocross, or did you always just was it always pavement stuff? Well, I mean, occasionally I would go to like a maybe like a little peewee motocross track, but that was never my thing. My thing was always skid pads. I would always do skid pads. I try to lean it over and skim the foot peg. I'm, I'm like a street rider through and through. Wow. Do you, do you remember the first time you rode a bike that you actually had to use a clutch and shift on it? And you, how did that go? Looped it. My dad, told <laughs> me to, my dad told me I had to give it a lot of gas to make it go. So I just pinned it and I slipped the clutch. That was a Suzuki DS80. So you went over backwards? Yep. <laughs> and then, then the second time I just dumped the clutch, took me like five tries to even start going. It was, it was, it was, uh, I'd say it was probably humiliating was the right word for that. Yeah. Heck, <laughs> I think we've all, we've all been through that Rocco. I mean, heck, I started riding a shifter a lot later than you did. And I was thinking maybe if you were younger, maybe it caught on quicker, but I think that applying the clutch properly and not, you know, looping it or you know, chugging it out, out off the line or something, you know, it definitely takes a while to get used to how to, how to shift, but clearly you don't have a problem with that anymore. Yeah, not really. But it was, it was actually a weird, different experience for me because what I did was I actually got on a shifter bike when I was five. It was the DS80 was when I started using the clutch. Then I got on an NSR 50 and my dad got a KTM 65 for me to ride in the dirt because I was, uh, I don't know what, he also wanted to put street tires on and I rode that. But when I was eight, I got a legit 
65. That was my first supermoto bike. But when I was seven, when I was eight, actually, we went and raced pocket bikes in Italy. And my dad actually pulled me from shifter bikes and any bike except a pocket bike. And I rode the pocket bike all year. I had to get used to the clutch again. So I wanted to loop, loop it a couple more times after that. Wow. Well, yeah, your dad, your dad, right. Your dad raced, but my question is, was he finished racing by the time he started working with you or do you, or do you, were you actually around when he was still racing? He started, he quit, finished racing the year before I was born. So okay. he, came, he did one track day after I was born and uh, then he, and he occasionally would go to the mini track. Like he did that like three times where he'd go to the mini track and ride my 85, but that would just be for fun. And he'd, and it was like, then recently when we were at VIR, he rode one of the California Street Bike School's BMW, and he just had had a blast. It was great. I, wow, that's cool. So, so Rocco, you have a pretty good connection. Speaking of California Super Bike School, you you have a connection with Keith Code. We saw him. I think it was at VIR that he was there and got to see you. Of course, they were doing the school there, and you mentioned your dad race uh, riding at the time and. I, it sounds like obviously you know Keith pretty well, and probably probably know Travis Wyman a little bit, who teaches at that school. Tell us about that. Well, my dad was actually the first four-star coach, which is the highest level of training that the school had. I mean, my dad was like an original coach for Keith, and then um, and my dad's always been good friends with Keith and. So, I mean, the Super Bike School was a sponsor of my dad's when he raced. So, my dad, my dad's always had a great relationship with them, and Keith, like, has helped us out with schools here and there. And this year, he's really helped us out with schools, like, for helping us out learning tracks and helped us with uh, getting connections for boots and gloves from Alpine Stars. And he's just, like, the, the bomb to have around. He's just is he does so much awesome stuff for us he's he's great yeah that must be really good now do you and do you know travis wyman who teaches at the school yeah i do know i know him very well we uh we've done like off-track drills at the school together like he's been my coach at on the off-track drills and uh i often go out and hang out with him when we're at the races and i watch his races and sometimes he'll watch mine with me and so he's it's also great to see him also in Moto America. So yeah, it's it's a it's a great bunch of people. Yeah, it's a nice little family out there, huh? Oh, big time. Hey, what? Uh, so you you've spent some time in Europe. How how many racing seasons were you in Europe? I was there for more, kind of like at three quarters of a year in 2013 for the pocket bikes. And then I did the full season of 2016, 17, and 18. I did Italy in 2013 and 16. And I rose in Spain in the 85cc championship in 17 and 18. Wow. And I've also noticed that you're, uh, you're, I don't know if you're fluent in Spanish, but if you're not, you're pretty damn close. So. Um, is that something that is that is that something you learned in school or is that something you taught yourself? I actually I, I, didn't, I taught myself kind of with a. It was it wasn't not really myself, but it was more like a, my, I was studying by myself on an app called Rosetta Stone on my phone. So I would right. do an hour a day on that and it took me three like 
maybe two years or so, and I was I I was getting pretty close to being fluent, and towards the end of last year, and I, I I'd say I speak it quite well. And I'm starting to kind of starting to forget it, so I'm gonna have to get back into studying it. But like I can talk to my I can talk to spent like uh, Kevin Almeida and uh, other like uh, right. That's where I first. Writers. Yeah, that's where I first learned that you could do that. Because when we were driving in the yeah. golf cart at Road America, I heard you guys talking in the back, and I'm like, "Wait, I, I didn't know that was a. I didn't know he could. He was capable of doing that as well." So that's pretty yeah. good. Kind of funny because Dallas Daniels was in the front next to me, and we were both laughing that you were, you know, you're actually able to speak Spanish. It's pretty cool. Yeah, like like when me and Sean D. Kelly want to like trash talk people, but we don't want them to know. We just try talking Spanish. It's easy. That's hey, perfect. So Rocco, I need to ask you when we did a when we did our podcast, we did one a video one at uh, Utah, whether you saw it or not. But it was with um, Tony Elias, and he uh, he said that he was talking. He said that after he won his his uh, MotoGP race, I think in two thousand six, um, he beat Valentino, and Valentino rolled down a window in his RV the next morning. They were parked next to each other, and he he referred to him as a cabron, which apparently is that a good thing or not a good thing. It depends. If Valentino was joking, it's like, dude, crazy. Okay. Okay. Kind of like, kind of like calling, calling him a. If it was, if he was serious, that's not really a good thing. But <laughs> if he was, uh, if if it's if he was like, uh, if he wasn't being serious, it's kind of like saying you goofball. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about well, I, I, we'll make. We'll make sure when you we'll make sure when you call us that that you're you're joking. <laughs> All right, yeah. Yeah. It does touch do that, yeah. Rocco, I don't know if you know this or not. You might have you ever talked to Garrett Gerloff? Garrett Gerloff can speak pretty fluent uh Spanish. Yeah, and have you ever spoken to Spanish together? What's that? Say it again. You know I've talked in Spanish together, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I like story about Garrett. When we were at a VIR, he was munching a box of Cheez-Its. And then I said, if he qualifies on pole in VIR, I'll get him a box of Cheez-Its. So I, when he did, I got him a, I got him a box of Cheez-Its at Road America. Oh, that's great. Oh, good boy. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny because a lot of times when I see the podium celebrations for the other classes, um, and Paul, you've probably seen this too. We'll be sitting there and all of a sudden, well, there's Rocco Landers going around high-fiving all the other riders and stuff. You you seem to really embrace and enjoy getting you know being around the riders at the podium and you know being all part of that culture. Would you say that's right? Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, I really believe in being a good sport. Like on on obviously you'll be a little bit disappointed if you don't win or if it's close, but I think you should always. I think I really think you should be a good sport no matter what. Yeah. And I think that's rivalries nice... are cool, but. You should butt heads on track, but maybe off track. You should be friends. Great attitude, Great attitude. Yeah, that's very good. So I've I I've got a question for you. It's um well actually I I mentioned it early in the show before we even pulled you on, but don't you think it's don't you think it's a good thing that you and Dallas have each other? I mean I the way things are going right now. I mean Kevin's also been close, but I mean that Dallas has been the closest. And if you didn't have somebody like Dallas, you'd be so far out in front that it you obviously it wouldn't be as much fun in addition to the fact that you wouldn't learn as much about actually racecraft and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice treat for, for us, obviously as spectators to be able to watch you guys battle, but it's gotta be a good thing for you two as well. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. 
like in uh like I'd say right now, as of right now, I'd say me and Dallas probably the top two, and Kevin's coming up with us. But like in in Atlanta, the races honestly for even for me were kind of boring because I had a gap and there wasn't much happening. Right. But I think I think when there's two people who are pushing each other, we're both going to go much faster than we go if there wasn't one of us. Exactly. Yes. Now when you when you showed up and when you showed up at Road Atlanta, um, and that first race was just such a dominant win. Did you have any clue coming into that race that you were going to be able to do that? Did you expect to do that? Or was it a surprise to you that you were so dominant? It was a surprise that I was that dominant. I, I, judging off my qualifying times, I expected to maybe win by a couple seconds. But, dude, 16.2 seconds was crazy. I, when I heard Jonathan Green uh, saying in the, in the park firm when I'd won by 16 seconds, I was like, haha, good joke. I thought I thought he was like, oh, right. I thought it maybe sarcastic. Then then I read this the results sheet, or I said, or, or in the press conference, you said, um, sixteen seconds. I was like, what? Sixteen seconds? Right. So that was okay. A very my big actual question. My actual question is, I can understand after qualifying, right, that you would think, okay, I'm I've got a pretty good chance. I'm talking about driving to Atlanta, you've never even ridden against a lot of the guys in the class, you haven't ridden in that class at all, going to Atlanta, like from your house and you're going to Atlanta, at what at that point in time, how confident are you that you can run at the front? I, I actually wasn't sure. I was like, we actually left our house though two weeks before because we went to Chuck Walla Valley Raceway, but leaving our house, I was like, okay, I think I'm probably gonna mop it up at Chuck Wallace because no one there aren't gonna be any like Moto America guys there. And then I so I leave Chuck Wall and I'm like, okay, what's gonna happen? So we had a three day drive and we're like, I, the whole time I was just thinking about Road Atlanta, Road Atlanta, just watching video on Road Atlanta, Road Atlanta, Road Atlanta. And so I got there and I had memorized the corners and I was like, oh that works. And then we went out in rain practice number one and I got to know the track and I was able to put down some good laps. And then I was able to qualify on pole. So on the way, it was like, I don't know. If I could be as prepared as possible, I think I can win by a decent margin. Like 16.2 seconds hadn't even crossed my mind. Right. So that that was, I did not expect to win by that much. So in that class, I, this is what I can't figure out. In that class, it's different than it was when it was RC Cup, when it was all the same bike. But, you know, I mean, there's a couple of Yamahas in there and there's a Honda. But for the most part, it is almost a little bit of a spec class with the Kawasaki's. And I mean, I know you guys have a little more of displacement with that Ninja 400. So, but you're amongst a bunch of other Kawasaki riders. What, how, what do you attribute to your ability to do what you're doing on it? What is essentially a, a, a bike prepared just like the other ones. I mean, I don't know how you can, how do you, how do you make the difference? Is it corner speed? Um, what are you doing that the other riders aren't doing? And I, I'm not asking you to give away any secrets, but you know, what is it about your riding? Do you think? Well, my bike is actually stock. The motor is stock, except for we have a, uh, like we have modified like a, a transmission that's more race prepped. And we have a pipe, obviously, but my bike is stock. But I've spent four years in Europe paying my dues 
much uh, heavier than the other riders. So that's trained me to have to like run a lot of high corner speed. So I think that could be a good good thing for me in the junior cup because I'm able to like carry a lot higher lean angle and uh, more corner speed. But yeah, I'd say having to pay my dues in Europe has helped a lot with corner speed. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And and I mean when you're out there, you you know you seem to understand. I know they call it in Europe more slipstreaming, but the idea of the draft and kind of where to stay behind somebody and when to pull out is, is that a, would you say that's a, a tool in your toolbox, your, your ability to draft riders? I don't know. I think I can draft probably just as well as anyone. Like in Europe, in Europe, we drafting is so important. And yeah, no one will understand. Even when I talk with British riders, no one will understand when I said draft, they'd always say what? So slipstream. Yeah. But yeah, I think I can draft just as well as the next guy. And I try to have the bet. I try to see like how far I can go in the draft so I can pull out. But other than that, uh, there's really much to say about the draft. Mm -hmm. Now at, at the road Atlanta round, at, you know, after that first win, I think we talked about, you know, what your future plans are. And I know at that point in time, anyway, your future plan is, is you want to get back to Europe as quickly as you can. Um, if you did stay in Moto America, obviously you would have to ride for another year before you could go to 600s or, or another class to, when you turn 16. But is that still your plan? Is, you, is your plan to, to try to get back to Europe next year? Yes, definitely. Like next year, we're going to try to maybe get a little bit like like that last year we it was it was my dad spending his money and just digging so deep and putting everything out just working so hard for me he worked it was he was working so hard it was really hard for him but this year it was we had a choice to between racing the European Talent Cup or the Moto America and we decided to go with the one that would give us the most like maybe attention and help us get the most support for the next year so we went with Moto America and next year we're going to try to get some support and head back over to Europe in either the Moto3 Junior World Championship or the European Talent Cup. Okay. Does does the bike that you're riding now, does it feel, what does it feel like to you? Does it feel like it's slow to you? Do you feel like it's a handful? Where, where do you, you know, compared to the, the, the way you've raced in the past or what you're planning to race on, what, what does it feel like to be on that bike? Actually, the 400 is the highest powered bike I've ever raced. Okay. I've, I've only ridden, uh, I've ridden, I've raced two strokes my entire life. And I rode an RS125, I raced an RS125 in club racing. But the highest powered bike I've raced is, uh, is the 400. Like, I've ridden an RSV4 RF once, which is actually my dream bike. So that was great, but that's the biggest bike I've ever ridden. But race is always the 400 for me so far. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, Paul. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, my my first bike was an RD350. And I know Larry Lawrence, um, who has a thing called Rider Files, uh, he had done a thing where he had a, I think he, I think it was a Kawasaki Ninja 400 sitting next to a to an RD350, the same year, the one that I that I had as my first bike and I still have it. And I remember getting on that bike when I was, I don't know, 16. And I felt like, man, that, that bike seemed really big to me. And, but you, 
a Ninja 400 sitting next to a 350, RD350 of that era, that Ninja 400 looks like a gigantic motorcycle. It's amazing that it's considered entry level. And I know they're fairly small in the grand scheme of things, but it's still a lot bigger than what we considered almost a middleweight back, back you know, when we kind of got involved in race, in riding and stuff. So um, that's, a, that's a handful of a bike as it is, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, my mine is 48 horsepower without the restrictor. Not sure, not quite sure what it is with the restrictor, but it's a uh, it's one of the easiest to ride bikes. It's so and it's so comfy. It's it's yeah, it's got to be a lot more forgiving, I, I would think, than what you've ridden. Oh yeah, like I I've ridden like the choppy GP bikes that don't take bumps at all, and this thing just is it's like a, it's like riding a couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. See, Sean, Sean, you ought to get one because you know how to ride. A I was going to say, good. geez, I got to get that for sure because I—that's what I do all day. So, <laughs> um, the yes, yeah, so the the bike itself. Let's talk a little bit, somewhat about some of your sponsors because um, I last year had gotten in touch with the guy that runs Ninja Four Hundred R dot com, which I believe is Jeremy Toy, who I know Paul knows and. He's been around a lot. He's a good racer, probably one of the fastest riders among mechanics in the paddock. And, he, you know, he works with the M4 team. Um, is that who you deal with as far as that sponsor goes? And do you get any uh, any uh, input from him at the track? Yeah, he might. He, he's, our, he's our guy for sure through Ninja 400. But he and my dad go back a long way racing in, like, WSMC. Uh, we're uh, just back back in the day, like in '90s, racing. Then him and my dad race. We go back all the back, back racing. So my dad and him have been friends for a while. And last year, when I was in Europe, we were watching Junior Cup races, and we were thinking about doing like maybe some Chuckwalla this off off season and some what Moto America wild cards this year. Because back then our plan was racing in Europe again. But, so we were thinking about what bike to ride, and I was like, we should run, my dad actually was like, we should run Kawasaki. And my dad said, well, I have a connection with Jeremy, and then basically a couple phone calls, and then we were at Chuckwalla for the first round, just trying the bike out, and I kind of fell in love with it. It was super fun. Able to, able to win all the races I entered that weekend on the bike. And... um we went from there, and we we started to get more serious at, with that bike, and we set some lap records at Chuck Walla the next round, and then we decided to make the make the decision to go do Moto America, and we bought our own 400, and that's what we've been racing since. So, and Jeremy, sp speaking of Jeremy, he does uh he does help us out of the track. Like you can see him on the grid with us. He'll be helping me with suspension and of the club races. He helps us out. So he's great. He's such a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard a lot of good things about him. He's been around, like I said, a, a while. Um, who, who is Dr. Farr? One of your sponsors. Yeah, he is a, he's an orthopedic surgeon from the Bay area. We met him at Chuckwalla. We met a lot of our dudes at Chuckwalla, but he's uh, 
he's an orthopedic surgeon. So he's, uh, I met him at Chuckwalla through, actually, a, a lady who is just super nice, and she, uh, she went and introduced me to him, and then he, me and him talked and exchanged phone numbers with my dad and him, and are now, he's helping us out. Yeah, that's really good that you have that support. Why, why do you run the number 97? I think you used to run 96, and more more than that is why, do you run, why did you run the 96? 96 was my number. I wanted my own number, so I went with 96. Okay. And this year, 90, or 96 was taken, so I, and then I was like, oh, I want, I want 5, because 5 was the first number I ever had in BMX racing when I was 4. And then, uh, and five, and I was, I actually wanted zero five because I was born in 2005. Yeah. So I wanted zero five and I found out I couldn't have that. Then I wanted 95 and then I couldn't have that. And then the next thing up closer, the th closest to 96 was 97. So I just went with 97. See, I didn't know if you had 96 because I see, I've seen some photos of your bike and, or, you know, when you were 96 and other classes of racing and I you know you used to have uh, a lot of Nikki Hayden you'd have the 69 there I didn't know if you had 96 because it's 69 backwards is that is that have anything to do with it at all no I was 96 since 2015 racing racing flat I, I wanted a funny story I was uh I, I've been so many different numbers but I wanted a 96 in road racing that year but it was taken, so I went with 72, which was my dad's number when he raced. And then, then I was 96 in flat tracks in 2015. Then I did, uh, then I did that in 2016. And then we realized, and we had our own font before. Then we, then we, then Nikki had passed away. It was super, super sad because my dad knew Nikki pretty well when they, because they raced together. And so we decided to run Nikki's font. That's cool. Yeah, so I thought it had some connection. It did look like, it actually did look like his number just transposed. So that, thanks for explaining that. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah so yeah, Rocco, going, going forward this year for the, for the remaining rounds, have you, have you raced at any of the tracks we're going to? Like, have you, have you raced at Sonoma or something? No, I've, I've ridden at Laguna. And New Jersey, but New Jersey was kind of kind of it wasn't the best day because it was uh, the the track gets really slimy when it gets wet and it was like a wet dry day, so we weren't able to really do much. But I was able to learn the track, so I know Laguna and Sonoma and I have and Barbara, Barbara's great. And you haven't had you haven't had much trouble learning tracks that you haven't been to anyway. No, not particularly. I've I've always been a fairly quick learner on tracks. So it's even a bigger advantage when I know the track already. Like Bar Barber is going to be, Barber is probably my favorite track I've ever been to so far. And I rode that a couple months ago. So I'm excited for every round, but especially Barber. Do you see that, um, have you noticed that, have you noticed a difference in Dallas? I mean, does he, obviously the races have been close, but it seems like he keeps getting closer and closer and then, and then finally did win one. Have you noticed an improvement in his speed and in his riding since you guys oh, yeah, have started like in, together at Road Atlanta? 
Yeah, it seems like when we're together, we both go faster. But yeah, he's been like in Road Atlanta. It was wasn't it wasn't super close. Then the IR was he actually was faster in both practice and qualifying. And then it was super close at Road America, and then it was super close in race one at Utah, and then he got me in race two at Utah. But I cannot take anything away from him. He's been riding super well this whole season. I'm happy for him that he got his win. Obviously, I, w I would have liked to win that race, but I can't take anything away from him. And we had some things going on behind the scene in Utah, but we have those things worked out for Laguna. So. Well, that's good. I'm, and is, Laguna's got to be Laguna's got to be one you're you're looking forward to 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 race in front of you know an international audience and and uh, you know it's a pretty big event for us. Yup, and uh, might have our new leathers for then. We might hopefully. Oh, good. I thought I was gonna have to buy you some there for a minute. <laughs> I told you. I told him. I told Sean. I told him at the last race. I'm like, okay, these leathers gotta go. He goes, don't worry, don't worry, uh, Paul. I've got new ones coming. <laughs> When, yeah, we we have our we have our we have our bat the set that you we you've been uh, complaining about. We have them being repaired right now, <laughs> and we have new ones being made that are more team colored. Rocco, when we get to Laguna, since you've raced in Europe, are is there are there any people or a team people riders anybody that you might know and be able to reunite with when you get there um i know it's a big country but i just there's is there anybody in the paddock that you might be looking forward to seeing there well i haven't i don't really know particularly any of the world superbike guys okay but i but that would be the only one that i'd be able to see but i do i'm super super good friends with one of the world super sport 300 riders who was uh was uh there was a guy named Jordy Grinnell, who, uh, he was our engine tuner last year, just the nicest dude, but he was the engine tuner for this kid who's now in Supersport 300. This guy, this kid did the championship I did last year, a couple years before, and he would help me out, but he was such a good dude. He's, you might know him. His name is, uh, Ferran Hernandez Moyano. I've but heard the he's name. In, he's in World Supersport 300, and I, if he was there, that would be great, but he's, uh... I also know Jules Dan Jules Danilo. Oh yeah, I also know him from Spain. That's cool. Did Did you know uh, Damien Jigalov? I guess is how you pronounce his last name. I I had been pronouncing it wrong for about a year now. Did you know Damien before this? Yeah, I met him in 2016 once at an endurance race okay. for Mini GP, and then I met him. Then I then I saw him again at the Rookie Cup tryouts last year. But I didn't really know him until this year. And how about Sam Lockoff? Did you know him at all, or Dominic Doyle? No, I I met either of them. Okay, um, you know I'm name dropping here, but I I wanted to. It just kind of makes me think of some people. So Keith Code helped out Joe Roberts a lot. Have you ever ridden with him or know Joe at all? Oh yeah, me and him in Spain we trained together all the time. Yeah, that's cool. So Keith yeah, he, Keith's still he's helping out Joe a little bit. Then I didn't know that. Because, yeah, another writer I wanted to give a shout out to is Brendan Kittleson. He's my best friend oh, in the whole world. Yeah. Me and him have been racing together for 10 years. That's that's cool. I, I've known him for literally like 
I had talked to Garrett Willis about him last year. I think he, I think Garrett works with him if I'm not mistaken, but we were, I knew he was coming into the series and he's a, he's a nice, nice kid. I like him a lot too. That's cool that you guys are friends. Great. Yeah. He's literally my best friend. That's great. In the whole world. You seem to be pretty good buddies with Drake Beecham too. I see you hanging around with him, which is funny because now that he's up, tell, tell us about that. I actually only met him at Atlanta, and then I talked to him. I like briefly talked to him in Atlanta in DIR, and then at Wisconsin, me and him were like, we, I went and hung out with his mom, or his his cousin wanted to take a photo with me and Drake, and then so I went over and I hung out. Then me and him were like Insta pals, yeah, instant pals. And then we 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 uh then we were hanging out, and then. That weekend, he dared me to be his umbrella guy because he said he didn't have one, so he dared me to be his. So then his dad asked me if I wanted to wear a checkered suit. <laughs> so I was wearing a checkered suit. Next thing I do on Twins Cup when Dr on date on Dr on Drake's uh on the day Drake got his first win, I was his umbrella guy. At, at Twins Cup, and he told me to rub some good luck off on off, off on him. So I gave him, I rubbed some off. <laughs> he won his race. Great. That's terrific. You know what? Now you got to now you, he's making you do it every race now or not? <laughs> no, he he, he um we're, we're trying to come up with new suits every couple of races. So he's gonna be my umbrella guy. Like last round, he had an American flag suit, and he was my umbrella guy. And la last round, I had for him, I had a, a hundred dollar suit suit that was like covered in hundred dollar bills that's cool you know i didn't realize i i when i saw you guys hanging around together quite a bit in wisconsin because i went over to check on drake and talk to his dad quite a bit i'm quite fond of that family and i saw you over there and i didn't realize either i was like wow i, I didn't know you guys even knew each other let alone were that good friends so you kind of just became fast friends that's that's good that you've struck up such a friendship like that so quickly kind of kind of speaks to our our paddock did you when you were over in europe of course you were younger but do you have that kind of ability to get around and kind of be friends with the other riders like you do in moto america i don't know i, I guess so like as soon as the other when i'd be the other when the other when a new rider would come to the championship even if it was like mid-season or wild card i'd always try to go up and introduce myself that's good i'd try to be nice that's nice like i try to be a friendly as friendly as possible yeah that's good. That's he always remembers. He always remembers my name, Sean. <laughs> That's like the way Corey Ventura always used to. Well, still does. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I know. No, they're very. They're both. Those two boys are pretty similar. They're both very yeah. polite. So their parents have. Their parents that, have sorry, done a good job. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, that's quick. Uh, you're gonna get smacked around now. <laughs> that's good. He's still upset about my leathers. Comment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it's got to feel, I mean, now that we're going to go to Laguna and Sonoma, it's got to feel pretty good to you, for you being from Oregon that, uh, um, you know, you don't have to travel quite as far. And then, you know, we've been hearing rumors, not sure if it's going to happen or not, but you know, there's a, tra well, of course you might may, may probably won't be racing our series, but you know, maybe we'll have a race up in the Pacific Northwest, not in Oregon, but maybe in the state of Washington or something, but it's got to be nicer to have, be a little closer to home with these tracks, wouldn't you say? Yeah, my home track is Sonoma. Okay. Actually. 
So, but it's great to have two West Coast rounds, so it's not, so at least we don't have such a long drive for part of the, for a couple of the rounds. Yeah. So you, you've got, you and your dad have been driving all the rounds, right? Actually, we stayed, we went, we visited family in Oregon, in, in actually uh, Missouri, in between a couple of the rounds. So we would just kind of like park our trailer there and we would either fly back or just stay there and hang out and see family. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that cuts down the driving a bit. Yeah, that's cool. uh, I have two sisters and one brother and my mom, so we all come out to the races. Yeah, tell us, I met your mom at Utah. Jamie is her name, right? And what are your your brothers and sisters' names? Oh, there's Diesel, who's my brother. He's seven. There's Farah. Who's my sister? She's ten. Then there's Bo, who's my sister, who's twelve. Is it B E A U? No, it's just B O. Oh, it is. <laughs> that's pretty. Yep, that's pretty simple. awesome. We didn't. Fun fact: she is my favorite person to irritate. Well, hey, does she like? And how about vice versa? Yeah. Okay. Good time. That's good. You always have to have one in the family, I guess, right? That you can irritate. Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. That's cool. Um, as long as this goes back and forth. So I, I want to throw a name out there, uh, just because I'm thinking of uh, Oregon, where you're from. Are, do you know who Rob Muzzy is, and have you ever met him? Uh, my dad knew him. I've met him. That's cool. I've heard of him. But I haven't met him. I don't know if you're anywhere near Bend at all, where he's from. Is Bend, Oregon, anything you? I don't know that, where that town is at all. Yeah, we live about an hour and a half from Bend. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's right across the border so from California. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. We're in southeastern Oregon. Yeah, and Bend is right across the border, from what I understand. So, so that's why Sonoma's your home track. It's not really all that far for you. How how far is it? About four and a half, maybe five hours. Okay. Actually, no, I'd probably about five and a half hours. Do you, do you have a track up near home that you're able to go to and train on or anything like that? No, my dad works in L.A., though, so I actually get to race at all the SoCal tracks. But they're in, I believe there's a couple tracks in Washington. There's a couple in Oregon, but I haven't actually been to any of them. It's mostly the tracks in California. My bikes usually stay in California where my dad works so that I can... And I come down with him so I can train. That's cool. Okay, I've got one last I've got one last question and then we're gonna wrap it up. But um like Tony, for example, in the superbike class, if I if if you talk to him, he'd say that Wayne Rainey's like it, it was his it was his hero when he was growing up. Obviously, you know, some of the 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 tw- the early twenties guys might say that Nikki Hayden was their hero growing up. What what is a who who's a hero to a fourteen year old road racer at this point? For me right now, for me right now, I'm not sure really. It's probably still Rossi. I've always been a Rossi guy, and before when when Nikki was in MotoGP, it was Nikki. So uh, so Nikki, Rossi's your guy. Rossi, Nikki, and I like Dovey. Okay, my second question is. If your dad hadn't have told you, would you have known who Wayne Rainey was? Yeah, I always liked the 500cc days. Like I, I, I play the 500cc video games like on 
MotoGP oh, 17. I always prefer to ride to play the old school stuff. Okay, there you go. Because I see you talking to Wayne, and I know he's 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 fond of you, and he's obviously uh, he's obviously impressed with your talent. So it's it's nice that you've uh, you hung out and got to know him a little bit. Yep, this, I like Wayne. He's a great dude. Yeah, he's a good guy. But anyways, guys, um, I think we're gonna wrap this thing up now and uh, let uh, Rocco get out of the <laughs> truck and go finish his day. So. I appreciate I appreciate you coming on and and we look forward to seeing you here at Laguna Seca in uh, in three weeks or so and Sean I'll uh, I'll be talking yep. to you obviously and uh, you guys have a good rest of your day and again we'll see you in Northern California Rocco yes sir yeah looking forward to see nice you looking forward to seeing right. you Rocco thanks for having being on with us we enjoyed talking to you thanks Paul thank you all right no worries be a good all boy right. we'll see you guys later party our heart thank you.